Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're here. You okay? Yes. All right, good, good. We like, we, like to, we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for as long as they've been Christians, pretty much. The Lord be with you. All right, thanks. Always a little bit of excitement here on a Sunday morning, it seems like. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, we believe that this is true. We believe that the Lord meets us right where we are. And uh, whether you've gathered together here in the room or whether you've gathered with us online, uh, we believe that God meets us right where we are. And Jesus said, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Pray with me, will you? Lord, I thank you for the example that you gave us in how to love each other and love each other well, Lord. We don't always get it right. <laughs> I know myself far too often I get it wrong, but Father, I thank you that you are the ultimate example in, in that you've given your life for us. You laid down your very life for each one of us. Father, I just pray that through this day and through this morning, through this time of worship, Father, that you would show us, that you would teach us, that you would um, give us more of an example of what it is to follow you in grace, in mercy, and in love. Father, I thank you for bringing us here this morning together. Lord, we have some people that we haven't seen for a while. Lord, we have people here that we've never seen before. And we thank you for each one that's gathered in this building as well as with us online. Lord, may everything that's done here be a blessing to each one. May you be glorified in everything that is said and done, Lord, above all else. Lord, for those who have come here with heavy burdens, we pray that they will find this be a place where they can lay those burdens down. That they can give them over to you, Father, and that you will take them up and carry them. And that you will assure each one that you are at work in their lives, working things out for their good. Father, for those who have come in with great victories, we praise you, we thank you, we give you the glory. For those who give you thanks for the blessings that you've bestowed on them this week, again, we give you thanks and glory for each and every person, for each one of us together as a family, as a body. We praise your holy name. Lord, be with Pastor Rich as he comes and brings us your word for this morning. We are trusting already that it is just the right word for each one of us. And for all of these things, Lord, we praise you, we thank you, and we pray these in your name. Amen. And may the peace of the Lord be with you. Now, wave at each other so we're still not wandering around. That, that Delta variant is really, really keeping us grounded a little bit. So, Teens, if you'd like to go back now, we are going back for a lesson and learn some great things about God. So, Yes. And who are you in case anyone... Oh, I'm, J I'm Jason. I'm the youth director. I'm not just some strange person off the street. Hi, everyone. Middle schoolers or high schoolers? Middle schoolers, high schoolers. And if you're older than that, you can't come. Sorry. Okay. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> I just thought that might be important to know who was inviting them to, to wander into the youth room back there. So, all right. Hey, uh, before, we, uh, before we dive into this morning's message, uh, we would love to know that you're with us, especially those of you who are joining us online and uh, we don't get to bump into or see your smiling face. Um, 
Obviously, you can leave a comment if you're with us on Facebook or YouTube or something, or you can go to livinghope.info slash connect. There's a little digital connect card there, and any of us could do that same thing. Um, of course, if you're here in the room, you can just grab one of those little green cards back there by the offering box and jot your name and number on there or email or, or any kind of feedback or question or uh, way we can pray for you or thank God with you. Uh, we would love to connect with you. And so if you would like to take a step of connecting and, uh, and having someone get in touch with you, uh, you, can, you can do that. You can let us know. Uh, reach out to us. We would love to connect with you further. Maybe I can, uh, if, you're, if you're newer, maybe I can get you out for coffee or uh, something like that and, and hear your story a little bit more. Um, we'd love to connect. And uh, also, uh, if you're here in the room, you can drop that little green card in the offering box. That's how we do offering here. We just got a box in the back. If you want to give to God and to the work that he's doing through this church here and around the world, you can drop it in that box back there. Uh, online, you can go to livinghope.info slash give. And you can give online like uh, many of us do. Over half of us now, that's how we give to the church. Uh, thanks to it being, us all being shut down for a while last year, a whole bunch of you are like, I uh, would still like to give somehow. And so we made sure that you knew how to give. If you go there, uh, you can give to the church. You can, give, uh, you can hit the little drop down. You can give specifically to Habitat if you'd like or to some other projects. Uh, we are partnering again with Habitat of Humanity for Porter County. And um, so we've got... Oh, I was going to say we've got two build days. We just had one on Friday, and uh, we've got another one scheduled for Saturday, October 16th. There's already eight of you signed up. I think, how many spots do we have? A dozen, something like that? So there's only room for about four more of you on that build day. If we have too many for that day, we can always add another. Or if you just know, like, hey, that Saturday, the 16th of October, does not work for me, but I'd love to get out there and, uh, and help with that project, uh, let us know, please. Uh, because we'd love to help connect you and, and include you. We could add another day, or we can find a way for you to join the groups that are there on all the other days. Um, we, I got to be there Friday. It's all kinds of fun. Uh, thanks to Sam and her husband, Jesse, uh, were out there. Tammy was out there uh, from, from here. Plus, we joined with folks from, uh, there were some folks there from Hebron and some other folks there uh, that do a lot of habitat work. And then uh, Stacy and I drove by. Uh, we were driving back from soccer with the boys, I think. Is that what it was? And... Um, and Stacy says, "Why don't you show the boys where you're just what you're working on yesterday?" So we drove down there, and there's a whole other crew working on it, you know, on Saturday. So if you would like to help, you know, raise some walls or do some drywall or all the different projects that happen, we were framing and putting some, you know, framed walls up uh, Friday. If you would like to help with that, um, there are going to be opportunities all the way from now through the home being finished. So if you'd like to help, please let us know. And obviously, you can give. Uh, we've got this $6,000 matching gift that we're hoping to capture every bit of that. And I think right now we're at around $2,500, $2,700. I, I forgot to look uh, the last couple of days to see uh, since gifts come in uh, kind of throughout the week. But if you would like to give, you can give to Habitat right there on the website. Uh, you can go to livinghope.info slash Habitat. That gives you a link to, that, to sign up for that build day on the 16th. Um, and, uh, and obviously you can just let us know on that Connect card or, or any way you want. That's to say, like, hey, I want more information about that. I'd like to help. Um, it was kind of fun Friday, too, because some of these other folks that were there, and, I'm, you know, we're getting to know them a little bit as we're sitting around eating lunch or as we're swinging hammers next to each other. And um, I'd ask somebody, like, so how'd you get into this whole Habitat thing? And they were telling me. And, and partway through, I realized, oh, wait a minute. And so I asked, wait, are you, are you getting a house through Habitat? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm the next one. So she's going to be receiving the next house, buying the next house through Habitat. And anyone who... Uh, partners with Habitat to be a resident, to be a homeowner, they have to put in a certain amount of sweat equity, and, uh, and she was there, and not like grudgingly or anything. She was there happy to participate, happy to be a part of the whole thing, thrilled that she's going to be a homeowner through Habitat. So it's a, great, it's a great thing, and we would love for you to be a part of it uh, in some way. So, all right, uh, we, are, uh, we are continuing this little series we started last week. 
with our, uh, oh, and I should say this too, I, I completely forgot. Last week being our church's 21st birthday, you guys jumped the gun a little bit on Pastor Appreciation Month. Usually that happens in October, but you guys jumped the gun and, and gave me all kinds of cards and well wishes and even some pies in the face on uh, last Sunday. So thank you so much for your expressions of appreciation and thanks, and uh, not just for me, but also for Pastor Judy and for Jason, the youth director. Uh, so thank you for uh, the appreciation that you showed. I, I appreciate getting to be your pastor. I, I appreciate getting to pastor the church for, uh, for 21 years now. And uh, we'll see how much, how much longer you'll keep me. We'll see. All right. Um, not because I'm going anywhere. No, sorry. How much longer you'd keep me, like, have me. That's what I meant. Okay, sorry. Didn't want to scare anybody there. All right. So we started last week this little series on, uh, on the way, the truth, and the life. Discipleship is a journey of grace. And uh, it's based on this little book written by a pastor and now general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene, David Busick. And uh, I had 10 of these books last week and said we should have all the rest next Sunday. And I got a call this last week saying like, hey, you know those 40 books you ordered? Uh, you know, our first printer was behind and we contracted with this other printer who was supposed to be able to fill the gap and get them to us quicker. And they had promised you'd have them last week and then they'd promised that you'd have them this week and now they're telling us it'll be next week. And uh, they're really, they're frustrated, we're frustrated. I wanted to have books to hand you today so that you could follow along because it's just a six-week series and now we're like going to be two Sundays into it after today. Um, but we still are going to have these books. I'm happy to put them in your hands uh, just so you can read more and go beyond what I get to tell you on Sunday morning about God's grace and about this journey that, that Christ invites all of us to be on. Uh, apparently, both of those printers are having COVID-related issues and workers who are out and sick and things like that. Um, so... Anyway, uh, last week we talked about the invitation, uh, God's gracious invitation where he invites us to come and see what this is all about. And you guys as Living Hope Community Church have done a pretty good job over the years of being a safe place for you to come, investigate, explore, see what Christian faith is about. Uh, get to find out more about this Jesus that so many of us find so compelling that we would <laughs> devote our lives to and decide to follow. Uh, this invitation to come and see, eventually he invites you then to, to actually follow him. And to begin to pattern your life after him, to let him change you one step at a time until eventually you are being sent out by Jesus to go and do the work that he has done. And uh, today, we're, we're taking a step into, uh, into God's grace a little bit further. And uh, um, well, you see the, the title at the top of your notes there says Seeking Grace. If you open it up and you see some scriptures there. God's grace, the idea here is that God's grace reaches out to us before we ever think to reach out to God. That God is already seeking after us. He's already approaching us. Uh, kind of a theme verse for this whole thing is, is Jesus in John chapter 14 saying, uh, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus says, you want to know what God is like? Just look at me. That Jesus is God's revealing himself to the world in a way that we can understand, in a way that we can see and touch. He is the way to the Father, and he invites us to follow him on this way. He tells us the truth about ourselves, about God, and he is the one who gives us life. Now, in other parts of, of John's gospel, um, you know, he's, he's talking here about if you want to get to the Father, you come to me. You know, that uh, Jesus is kind of like the Father's hand reaching out to us to draw us to himself. In, in other places, he kind of reverses that a little bit. He says, well, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. He says that in John 6, 44, you've got that there in your notes, that, uh, that the Father who sent me, he draws people to me. And some folks have taken this to, uh, to mean, and this and other scriptures in the Bible, to mean that like, okay, God is the one who decides long ago who is going to actually follow Jesus and who isn't. 
You know, there are some traditions, the, the, the Christian church is this kind of broad family tree, lots of different branches, lots of different ways of thinking about, about how God works in the world and how he connects with us. And, and some folks have this idea that, um, you know what, God decided kind of before he ever made the world in time immemorial that uh, uh, he decreed these people will be saved and these people will not be. And um, I got to tell you, I don't find that picture of God very appealing and neither do a whole lot of folks. And more importantly, I don't find that to fit a lot of what we see in Scripture. Um, we see in Scripture, um, well, just there in John's Gospel even, the very first chapter as he begins to introduce Jesus. He says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. A few verses later, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So it's that kind of that same theme that was said earlier. You want to know God? You look to Jesus. He's the one who is making God known to us. And he is giving light to everyone. He's inviting anyone who will respond to his offer of grace to respond. In John chapter 3, verse 16, you probably all heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him Uh, it is true that it is God who draws us to him but here's the thing God is at work in every human life trying to draw us to himself you know in Jesus was life and that life was the light of all mankind this light gives he gives light to everyone and so there's not a single person that you will meet, not a single person that, that comes through our doors on a Sunday morning, not a single person that you will go to work with or see in your workplace. And for some of you, this is a challenging thought. Um, or in your school or in your family. There's not a single person you will ever meet on this planet that God doesn't love, that God isn't reaching out to, that God isn't attempting to draw to himself. His grace is at work seeking us before we ever think to turn to him. This is a beautiful truth of, of God's word. And, uh, and it's one that we're emphasizing here today and looking into a little bit and looking at an example of. Um, now, I gave a bunch from John's gospel. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that all tell us the story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And Luke just put it so succinctly. And so I wanted to include it here where he says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And there are stories in Luke's gospel of, of God being portrayed like a woman looking for a lost coin or a shepherd looking for a lost sheep or a father who runs to his son who was lost and, uh, and is started to come back home to embrace him and to bring him home. Um, this is how God thinks of each and every one of us. For each of us, our story of our life uh, has a period of time where we, we were doing our own thing, where we weren't paying attention to God. And God wasn't just sitting around saying, well, if they come looking for me, they'll find me. You know, No, God was actively reaching out for you, seeking you looking for ways to get your attention, looking for ways to to wake you up to his activity in your life, sending people your way to love you and to be good to you so that you could see that maybe, oh, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I should look into this, you know, to to pique your curiosity. There's an interesting story in Scripture of uh, an example of this work in Acts chapter 10. It's a story of a guy named Cornelius. Um, The the book of Acts follows on the stories of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, they all tell the story of Jesus, you know, coming into the world and all the amazing things that he did and how he dies for our sins and rises again, defeating sin and death and the devil. 
And then he sends his disciples out. And, and the book of Acts is kind of the rest of that story. The Acts of the Apostles is the full name of it. Where it talks about how God's Holy Spirit moves these apostles to, to go all around the world. Uh, telling people about Jesus. Continuing the work of Christ. And this is an example of one of those moments. Um, we read in Acts chapter 10 verse 1. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius. A centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. Now, if ever there was somebody you would think, maybe in their world, that you would think, oh, okay, God probably isn't interested in them, it might be a Roman centurion, right? I mean, the people of, the people of God there in Israel, um, they were being ruled over by the Romans. You know, the Romans brought peace by dominating the people around them. You know, this is a centurion. He was somebody who, who worked for Rome, actively leading troops into these places to bring peace, Right? By crushing all opposition. But this Cornelius, this centurion, it says he and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. Now, this devout and God-fearing business, um, this was a language that was often used for folks who were interested in the God of Israel. Um, you know, God's people, the Jews, had been kind of scattered around and, uh, and as they landed in towns like Caesarea, Caesarea was kind of a crossroads where there were, there were lots of Romans and others, and there were, lots of, uh, there were lots of Jews. There were lots of religions and cultures mixing here in Caesarea. And Cornelius had been drawn to the Jews, had been drawn to the stories of their God who created the world. And he was praying to God regularly. This is an example of God at work in his life, Right? He's not a Christian, he's, he's, he's God-fearing, he's devout, but he hasn't converted to Judaism. This language was often used of people who would kind of be on the edges of Jewish faith, the edges of, and so they, they might show up at the synagogue and kind of stand, you know, at the, at the margins, listening to the stories, praying along, but not so committed yet that they would go through the whole, like, circumcision deal and begin to eat kosher and all of that. You know, he was still kind of on the margins, but curious, interested, praying, said, one day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who's called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. Now, we see in Cornelius' life uh, God's grace meeting him right where he is in lots of different ways. And, and along with this book um, was this idea of these, these four areas that I'm, I put there in your notes. You know I got it from somebody else because they all start with the letter C. And I'm just not good at that kind of thing, all right? So anytime in a message you see a whole bunch of things that rhyme or start with the same letter or anything like that, I got that from somebody else, okay? That is not original with me. And that, that includes these four places that God's grace meets us uh, in our lives before we're ever looking for God. It, one of those is at the crossroads. And I already mentioned Caesarea is kind of a crossroads kind of place. In those parts of our lives where we're feeling tension, like we're being pulled in two different directions like Cornelius was, being pulled on the one hand by, by his you know, Roman connection and, you know, all the gods of Rome. And on the other hand, being drawn to the God of Israel, this monotheistic religion that says, those aren't gods, there's only one God. This God that calls us to lives that look very different than the life that Cornelius was involved with day to day. 
when we feel these tensions, when we feel those as tensions, when we feel like we're being pulled in different directions, that's often one of those places in our lives where we can say, like, yeah, you know what, that's, looking back, we can see that was God at work. He was, he was trying to, to get me to, to take a different path. Our crossroads are also where collisions take place. That's why our town keeps putting in roundabouts instead of uh, intersections, because, anyway, um, that's a whole other conversation or fight or whatever you want to have. Um, personally, I love them, but anyway, uh, crossroads where collisions take place, where things crash together in our lives, and sometimes we find ourselves on the other side of a collision that has happened, where, where certain desires of ours have, have bumped headlong into an attempt to maintain a relationship or a job or something else, and next thing you know, there's been a collision and there's a mess, and we find ourselves in this mess, and that's an often a place where God's grace meets us. We're in our need. We are reaching out for help somewhere, anywhere, and we find that God is there already you know, with the door wide open, inviting us to come and to find help and to find peace and to find a new direction in him. God's grace meets us in these crossroads places of life. Uh, in our curiosity is another one of those places we can look back and we say, you know what, that was God's grace at work. That was God uh, piquing my curiosity. Uh, I love this one, personally. It's one reason why sometimes we'll do uh, like a series of messages just based on questions that you guys ask, because uh, when we find ourselves asking those questions about God, about life, about how these things fit together, I believe that's God that's like helping those questions to bubble up and helping us to have enough curiosity to pursue them, because like I said, Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life, that if we come to him, he leads us to the Father. And so if we are seeking truth, if we are curious about what is true about the world, I believe that will lead us toward Jesus. That eventually at the end of that pursuit for truth is Jesus standing there saying, yep, here I am. Welcome. You know, let, me, let me introduce you to the God who made you and who loves you. Let me welcome you into this life. And he begins to invite us to come and see and to, to follow me. All those things we talked about last week. If you find yourself spiritually curious, that is a good thing. Including if... Um, it seems like there's a growing number of people who grew up as Christians today, uh, who grew up in churches, who now are questioning their faith as well. And you might hear about people like deconstructing, and they're not sure like, if, uh, if the faith that they grew up with is true. And, and some of those folks end up leaving faith. Some of them find themselves with a deeper faith. I don't think that's a bad thing when we question the religious dogma that we grew up with. Uh, if we are spiritually curious and we're bringing those questions to God, if we're doing this together with other trusted people who can help us with those questions, this can be a, a, a beautiful thing, a time of growth in our lives. I mean, Stacy and I are parents. You know, we have five-year-old twin boys, and we're doing our best to help them know who God is and God's love for them. And right now they're back there in children's church uh, learning some stuff about God. I think Fruit of the Spirit, I think they're still doing back there. Um, they'll tell us afterwards, you know, what they learned today. Um, <clears throat> It's, it's why we have, you know, Jason here as a youth director, so that those who are teenagers can, can have some help as they're going through this period of life where they're asking questions and learning more about God. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of teaching people from a young age about God and about the Bible and about God's love for them. The reality is every single one of us at some point has to question those things we were taught and say, do I believe this or don't I? Is this just the faith that my parents gave me or is this something that I believe is true? Is this something that I think is true? true in the life that I'm living today, you know, and hopefully if we as parents have lived it out well in front of them, and if we've surrounded them by other people who are, are living it out well and are showing them like, yep, it really does make sense to trust this God, to trust this Jesus, they, they see examples of how it, it works in real life, then this curiosity, this questioning can lead them to a deeper, mature faith. 
in our curiosity, uh, and Cornelius definitely had this curiosity. He wanted to grow, wanted to know more, and God answers that by sending this angel saying, I've got somebody who can tell you more about what, what I'm doing and how to know me better. Send for Simon Peter, you know, and, and he's going to come and tell you more. In just a moment, we'll read the rest of that story and where that goes. But a third place that God's grace meets us is through companionship, the people that he places in our lives. We've talked about this, I feel like, a lot this past year, that God's grace flows through people, flows through us into the lives of the people around us, flows through others into our lives, that God places the right people in the right place at the right time in our lives to help us to, to, to take a step closer to him. Before you ever were thinking about setting foot in this church today or before you ever thought about tuning in to Living Hope Community Church online, uh, there was somebody in your life that God was using to, to draw you to him, to make you curious. We talked about this just this last Wednesday night as, um, at Bible study as somebody was um, uh, mentioning, oh, was this this last Wednesday or the Wednesday before? Now I can't remember. Uh, somebody was mentioning a, a neighbor in their apartment complex who uh, they've known for years who had been like a um, pagan, I guess I was going to say, like not just like non-Christian, but like actual pagan, like, you know, with all the pagan stuff. Anyway, and, um, and now they've come to faith in Christ. And in part because this neighbor who was sitting there celebrating that God has helped this person to, to find faith in Christ, um, because they have just been a consistent witness in their life. Not banging on the door, not saying like, you need Jesus or else, you know. They had invited them to church. They had invited them to events. They lived their life openly. And uh, just the other day, had an example of how they were just reading a book out on their patio. And as their neighbor came in, they're like, oh, what book is that? Oh, it's about, you know, God and Jesus. And I can't remember the exact book. But it was one that piqued their curiosity and had them, like, thinking, oh, that sounds really interesting. And it led to a good conversation and just planting lots and lots of little seeds. That through companionship, through the people God places in our lives, God draws us to himself makes us curious, piques our curiosity, helps us to see that like, oh wow, they have something that I want. They have a peace that I don't have about the circumstances that we're in. They have a, a, a confidence that I don't have. They have a, like a sense of, of assurance that I'm lacking. You know, they really screwed up and they quit beating themselves up about it. Not in like an arrogant way, but like they've experienced grace, you know, and, and I'm still beating myself up over stuff that I did, you know, years ago. We see people in our lives, God places people in our lives to tell us what we need to hear, to, to help us uh, take that next step, that next time, uh, right when we need it. Um, uh, family members who invite us to church, you know, thinking of, thinking of your sister, Deb, uh, bringing you here. Um, but uh, all sorts of folks that God places in our lives just at the right time to help us take whatever that next step is that needs to be. Um, and next thing you know, we're, we're further on down the road because God's grace was at work through people. And the, and the last one is, uh, is within conviction. You know, sometimes we find ourselves, before we've decided to become a citizen of God's kingdom, we find ourselves embracing some kingdom convictions, you know, embracing uh, this, um, you know, love of, of truth or embracing uh, or being drawn to beauty um, or justice or generosity. We saw that in, in Cornelius' life. Uh, oh, I didn't mention the companionship for him. Sorry, he was, you know, I already mentioned he was a devout God-fearer. He was kind of rubbing shoulders with, with God's people, the Jews. But, um, but he has, you know, been praying to God and has been uh, giving generously to those in need, which was not like a Roman virtue necessarily, but it definitely was a Christian virtue. That was one of the things that impressed Romans uh, in, about the, the church in those early days. It was, man, these Christians are exceedingly generous. They go out of their way to love the unlovable. Uh, to love 
slaves and to love, um, like sadly, the, putting uh, babies out was a thing that they did back then. Like if you didn't, if you didn't want that kid, you just kind of put them out to die. And Christians would see these babies put out at the edge of town and would scoop them up and raise them and, and, and adopt them as their own. And Romans would see Christians doing these things, caring for the sick, for the poor, and it made an impact on them. And Cornelius had been impacted. He was beginning to embrace some of these kingdom convictions before he'd become a citizen of the kingdom. And, and maybe you see that happen in, have seen that happen in your life as well. That God has already begun to change you. He's already begun to help you embrace some of those aspects that, that later on you might say, oh, that's like a Christian virtue right there. That's, that's where that comes from. That was God at work in my life, helping me to be a better person than I might otherwise have been if just left to my own devices. So that's the idea again, right? That God's grace is at work in every human being. I know there have been times in my life where I see somebody else and like, man, they'd be a great Christian if they just followed Jesus. You know, they're, they're a phenomenal person. You know, I love them as a person. They've already adopted so many kind of kingdom convictions and practices. You know, they're, they're generous, they're kind, they're patient. They're, they're doing all these things. God is at work in their life. Man, I hope that someday they, they see that as God at work in their life and they recognize that and they let God take them whatever next steps further down the road that, that he would love to take them. But God's grace is already at work. You know, if, uh, well, an interesting part of the story that we're not going to look at today in Acts chapter 10, just because we don't have time or space, uh, is what God does with Peter in between the part we just read and the part we're going we're gonna to read. While, while God is sending an angel to Cornelius saying like, hey, go send for Simon Peter, Peter is on this roof having a vision from God, helping him to overcome some of his prejudices, some of his uh, religious objections to going and meeting with Cornelius when the guys get there. And so when the folks show up, from Cornelius to invite Peter. Peter's already primed and ready. God's already helped him to be ready to accept their invitation and to go and to talk to him. And this is something, again, God's grace is at work. God is at work in our lives. And so maybe you're here and you're like, yep, yep, that was distant history for me where God was seeking me. I've been following him for a long time. Well, guess what? God still wants to be at work in your life so that you can be one of those companions, so that you can be one of those people in somebody else's life, in their journey, helping them to take a next step toward Jesus. So we all need to be paying attention to what God is doing as he's drawing all people to himself. So we get down to verse, I don't know, I think 23 in Acts chapter 10. It says, the next day Peter started out with them. So at this point we've kind of skipped the story of him having these visions and the people arriving and asking for Peter. And Peter's like, okay, well, yeah, I guess I'll go with you. And, in, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up, stand up. He said, I'm, I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. That was what God was dealing with him about in those visions and those dreams. May I ask why you sent for me? And Cornelius goes back and retells the part we already read about how an angel came. And I, so I sent for you, and, and here we are. We're ready to hear whatever it is God has for you to say. And then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but except from every nation, the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, 
how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. I, I kind of feel like this is Luke who wrote Acts saying, like, you've already heard the story because you already read my first you know, part. You already read the gospel of Luke. You already read the story of how God did all these things through Jesus. So he doesn't, like, repeat the whole thing here. He says, we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He's not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate, ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, that's the Jewish believers, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. The speaking in tongues thing is something that happened earlier in Acts when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Jewish believers in, in Jerusalem. And so God uses that in this moment to help them see like, yep, just like the Holy Spirit was given to you, the Holy Spirit is given to them. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Cornelius and his friends and his family, they were ready. God had gotten them to a place where they were ready. When they heard the good news of what God had done in Jesus, they were like, yes, yes, we want whatever God is doing. We want to be a part of it. If God is offering us forgiveness of sins through Jesus, we're putting our trust in him. We want our sins to be forgiven. We want to be a part of the work he's doing in the world. They were ready. And when the good news came, they believed. And they were baptized. They were welcomed with open arms as part of the, the new church that God was forming out of people from every nation, every tongue, every place. This is God's grace at work. And I'm guessing that for each of us, we could look back at our own lives. Whether you're a Christian today and you have to reach back a little bit, or whether you're like right in the midst of it now. We can see places in our lives where God's grace has been at work, where God has been at work in our lives to draw us to himself, where he's been seeking us, where he has put the right people in our path, where he has piqued our curiosity, where we're, we're at some crossroads of life, he has been nudging us to take a path that leads toward him. How has God been at work drawing you to himself? I think it's good to, to see those, to acknowledge those, to, to thank God, to say, wow, God, is that you at work? That wasn't just coincidence, that was, that was you? And I hope you know, that as you see God doing that, that you'll follow his lead, you know, that, you'll, that you'll continue to take one step, whatever that next step might be. Your next step might be showing up here next Sunday. Your next step might be uh, putting your trust in him today. You know, I, I don't know what your next step needs to be. But I do know that, that God has a journey for all of us to continue growing closer and closer to him, to, to see our lives transformed to, by his Holy Spirit at work within us, so that we can be a part of his work here in the world. And that's what some of us in this story, some of us see ourselves in Cornelius. Some of us need to see ourselves in Peter. All right? Some of us who've been Christians for a while need to recognize that, you know what? God does love that person over there. That I've been, you know, we can get caught up in our culture's us-them thing and, uh, you know, drawing lines and making enemies. And, you know, our culture's really good at that these days, it seems like. We, we like to be polarized. We like to have enemies. We like to have people who are wrong, and I'm right. And we get into all kinds of fights on every single thing, it seems like now. Maybe we need to see, like, oh, wait a minute. God is at work across the lines that I've drawn. God is at work in that person's life. 
And, and maybe when it's not me needing to convince them to join me on this side of the line. Maybe it's God wanting to send me to them. Maybe it's God wanting me to cross some lines to, to show some love, to show some grace, to be a person of, of peace. Maybe he wants my, his grace to flow through me, through something kind that I say, or through my being patient toward my listening respectfully. Maybe there's something that God wants to do that God is already doing in their life, and I get the chance to join them in it. Maybe God needs to send us a little, little vision, like he sent to Peter, reminding us that, that he's at work in every person's life in the world. Reminding us that there's nobody that's off limits to God's love. Maybe we need to be paying attention for the ways that God's seeking grace is, is seeking everyone around us. And man, there's some folks that might just be ready to be found if just one of his kids would go and have a little loving conversation with them. Next, next week, we'll dive into more of God's grace um, and how it works as we come to, to faith in him and how it continues to help us down the path. But, but today, we're just at this place of, of being reminded that God is at work in our lives from before we ever knew to think of him, leading us to himself. This is a beautiful thing. This is, this is who God is. Let's bow our heads and let's pray to this God who cares so deeply about us. Thank you, God. Thank you for being at work in our lives, drawing us to yourself, bringing us to a place where we're ready to say yes to you and to your love and to your grace, to your forgiveness. God, you know we got folks all along the journey here today, uh, some who are uh, responding to some curiosity that they have about you, uh, some who may just have been dragged here by somebody else, <laughs> but I believe that your Holy Spirit is at work even there getting to a place where they can hear the good news that you love them. So God, would you, would you impress upon our hearts the truth this morning, that we are loved by you, that you're actively involved, working in our lives to draw us to yourself so that we might experience your grace and your love and the life that you created us to live. You don't want any of us, God, stuck in a life that is less than that is less than what you created us for. A life that is uh, consumed by fear or consumed by uh, some addiction or, or by some, uh, whatever it might be. You got all those things that can, can wrap up our minds and our lives and, and enslave us to, to lives that you just want to set us free of this, God. So please, God, would you help us today to say yes to you and to your love for us. But some of us, we might have been following you for years and we still are afraid. Afraid to reach out to somebody that you might want to send us to. Afraid to cross some line to talk to somebody that doesn't think like us or look like us or whatever it might be. Help us, God. Help us to be open to your spirit's work in our lives. To be willing to join you on this journey of grace. It all begins with you, God. You're the one who starts this whole journey. You're the one who invites us on the journey. We, only, we can only say yes because you draw us to yourself. So thank you, God, that you love every single one of us, that you are at work drawing every single one of us to you, waking us up to your love, to your grace. God, every single one of us have to acknowledge that we didn't start looking for you 
we are not the ones who initiated the search. You were seeking us out. We only love because you first loved us, the Bible says. So thank you for the love you've shown us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for reaching out to us by your Holy Spirit as you have worked through so many people in our lives, through so many different circumstances to draw us to yourself. Thank you, God, for never giving up on us. Thank you that today we have this this sacrament of Holy Communion where we get to celebrate your love poured out in your Son, Jesus Christ. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice, and we pray that by your Holy Spirit's presence here with us that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. We remember that on that night when he was about to be arrested and then beaten so that the next day he could be hung on a cross and die for our sins. As he met with his disciples, he gave them bread and said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. Jesus, you took the cup and you gave it to them. You said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. Jesus, you loved us so much that you were willing to give your life for us. And we do remember that today. In this sacrament, we thank you for meeting us right where we are. So we offer you ourselves. And we pray that you would forgive our sins. We acknowledge our need of your grace. That there are things we have done that we should not have done. There are things, good things that you had for us to do that we shied away from that we didn't do. God, all of that stuff, that's all sin. And we, we recognize that today. We recognize that we have not lived the life you created us to live. Thank you for your grace, for the forgiveness that you offer us. Your word says that as we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. You forgive our sins and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Today, God, would you help us to experience your grace and your forgiveness, your cleansing. Wash us clean. Get the, the stink of sin off of us so that we can live a new life empowered by your Holy Spirit, to walk in the way of Jesus, to live in the light of your truth, to experience your life today. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I'll be standing up here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. Invited uh, to come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it. And then return to your seats. We've got the, the regular old bread and the, and the gluten-free bread. And we've got some of the little cups in here that are the individually wrapped ones. Some of you have already discovered those. I can hear on your tables as well. If you don't want to come forward, you can, uh, you can grab those off the table. And as we sing, you're invited to, to peel that back and, and eat the bread and peel the other one back and, and drink the juice. This is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. All of us who are hungry for his grace and his love. So let's celebrate. Thank you, God for seeing our need and, and meeting our need for your love and your grace. 
by giving it to us in your son, Jesus Christ. Fill us today with the spirit of Christ so that as we leave this place, we might go as the body of Christ, given for the world, that your grace might flow through us. Thank you, God. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.